It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we ran over yesterday with our piece on citizens' information and we didn't get a chance to speak with Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, and it's always one of our busiest slots every week. So Annalise has very kindly agreed to join us today in her usual slot on a Monday. She'll just be doing it 24 hours later. So we'll speak with Annalise in the final hour of the programme today. But it does mean if you have a question, a nutritional question, get it in throughout the morning and we'll put it to Annalise a little bit later on. You can do it by phoning John Paul or by texting our one. WhatsApping. I'm just seeing a piece that's on the news wires from the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath. He was on his way into a cabinet meeting and he was asked about the hospitality sector and he said that businesses who are not complying with the rules around COVID-19 passes, he says they don't deserve to remain open. And yesterday we certainly had a flurry of texts in from people, a mixture of both, a mixture of people saying that when they were out and about at the weekend, yes, they were asked for their COVID passes and they felt confident and safer in an establishment when they were asked for their COVID pass. But for every one that we read out, we had another, at least one, if not two, of people saying that they were in such and such an establishment or they were somewhere up the country and nobody was asking for COVID uh, passes. So Michael McGrath this morning saying he reckons that there's a pretty good level of compliance but he said the ones that are not complying they're simply putting the rest of the public at risk and he says they simply them do not deserve to be open and of course all of this is relevant today because we know the representatives of the hospitality sector will be meeting with the government officials that's going to happen this afternoon and they're reviewing the risks associated with last month's further easing of restrictions and how compliance measures are performing. It's understood the meeting is going to be presented with the very latest COVID-19 data with a view to try to better understand the risks now facing the hospitality sector. They also are expected to discuss the different experiences of implementing compliance measures as well as the public health messaging. Now, there's a lot of people have been invited to attend this meeting and it was the Taoiseach in fairness over the weekend I think when he was starting to see and there was research coming out showing the numbers of people who were not being asked for their COVID passes so the Taoiseach kind of said enough is enough and he decided let's call in the representatives so going along to the meeting today will be representatives from Give Us the Night that group the Irish Hotels Federation are going to be there Licensed Vintners Association the Live Venue Collective Restaurants Association of Ireland 
and the Vintners Federation of Ireland and of course they are the ones who represent the Vintners from all around the country. Uh, the Taoiseach invited the hospitality sector particularly when he saw the data coming from the ESRI which suggested that the number of people who did not have their COVID-19 passes checked in pubs had gone up. The last piece of research that the ERSI did, it was at 21%. That had jumped to 37%. So like the Tisha kind of said, enough is enough. And in advance of today's meeting, the Restaurant Association of Ireland said they're looking forward to working with the government on the rollout of inspections because I think this is where it's falling, falling down. The Restaurant Association are saying, you know, we need to have more inspections from the HSC and the Health and Safety Authority. They also want the Gardaí and Falta Ireland to start upping inspections over the next seven weeks or so. The Restaurant Association Chief uh, Executive Adrian Commons, he said businesses that fail to comply with COVID regulations, he's also saying simply shut them down. If, you know, they're not going to abide by the rules because I suppose they're ruining it for everybody else. He says that 7%, he reckons, from restaurants' point of view, 7% of the sector is non-compliant. But he said because of that, it's putting every other business at at risk. He said the Restaurants Association of Ireland have issued many communications to their businesses and it represents uh, to make sure everything was being done and was being done uh, correctly. But he, in particular, is going to be at that meeting looking for, you know, what level of inspections are happening because I think if businesses know that there's a chance that they're going to be caught with inspections then they maybe will bring bring up their A-game and start to ask people for their COVID passes. I know the Health and Safety Authority they said that 96% of the hospitality operators were in compliance and that's obviously in stark contrast to the ERSI survey. Now, the ERSI survey is actually asking customers were you asked for your COVID pass? So you're getting two very different results. But when you dig down into the Health and Safety Authority, when you look at their enforcement or when you look at the amount of inspections, I think they've had very few inspections. I mean, over the 100, it's been 101 days since the regulations were put in place late last July when businesses were allowed to start serving food uh, indoors. So in the 101 days, the HSA has undertaken 707 compliance checks. I mean, that's only seven checks a day nationwide. And out of that, they say 96% of the businesses that they went into were compliant. So I think that needs to be, there needs to be more inspections. And is that the way to go? Do we need more inspections to make sure that businesses are compliant? And how would how would people feel? Would you prefer to know that inspectors are going in and that there's a lot more of these in- inspections happening? I always sort of get a bit worried when, you know, when I hear groups saying, oh, the Gardaí should be in doing doing more checks. To me, the Gardaí are busy enough as it is. We're forever hearing about we need more Gardaí on the beat and that's to do with crime and antisocial behaviour. Do we really need to be wasting our guard this time having the Gardaí walking around pubs and asking people, have you got your COVID pass? Were you checked? Were you... Did you give your name and number in for contact tracing? You know, there surely has got to be other ways around it. Now, at the end of the day, we do have 92% of the population uh, fully vaccinated. So for some people are saying, you know, the good news is we don't need further introduction of restrictions and there's certainly no talk about that with 92% uh, vaccinated. But how do we make everybody feel a little bit safer when they're going out and about in hospitality, particularly when we're looking at the rising number of COVID cases? 
would you like to see do you think that that's the fairest way to do it that if a business is not compliant then they simply should be closed down they shouldn't be in business your thoughts welcomed on that 1850 at 333103 and then a text that says Patricia when are the government going to start practising what they preach we are constantly being reminded that we need to learn to live with COVID as indeed we would have to live with any other pandemic Uh, surely it's time for them to start planning to accommodate COVID cases separately from public hospitals. Private hospitals are COVID free and operating as normal while facilitating the overflow of elective public cases at a tremendous cost. The country needs to separate facilities urgently to enable public services to resume tackling what is now an ever-growing waiting list as it is reaching crisis levels and you make a lot of sense there's no name on that uh, text but you certainly are making a lot of sense in that text and it sort of reflects something that I thought again made sense a listener last week was making the point that people of the of the older generation will remember when TB was rampant in this country and that was at a time when this country didn't really have a lot of money but when TB was rampant we had TB hospitals so people that had TB went to special facilities and then the normal hospitals operated as normal now I don't know the costs that would be involved in deciding that we're just going to have hospitals that only deal with COVID uh, patients. And then I suppose certainly in the cities where there's a large number of hospitals, you could do what you could designate, say, one hospital or even in a, 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 an area in a, in a county. Could you have one hospital that only deals with the COVID patients and then use any other hospitals in the area to start working on the elective surgeries that need to take place and those waiting lists that really have and are at absolutely 100% are at crisis levels. Thank you for your text. And Stephen from County Kerry has been back on to us this morning by WhatsApp. Stephen yesterday kicked off a bit of a debate on the programme and a lot of comment and commentary in from listeners when he was talking about on Sunday he decided to do a drive around the Ring of Beira, the gorgeous Ring of Beira. Hadn't been there in quite some time because of COVID restrictions and all of that. And he stopped in one particular cafe on the Beira Peninsula and decided he'd go in and have a, a cup of tea and a scone and he was charged €6.50 and he thought it was a total rip-off and he was saying by comparison he'd never paid that much in his home county of uh, Kerry and he gave us examples where he reckons you could get a really decent tea and scone in anywhere in Kerry and you'd get it for a fiver at the very most and he thought he was being ripped off in Cork with €6.50 while well, he's been back on to me this morning to say just to let you know he went into Cahar Saivine yesterday following the show to test out his theory and could he get a decent tea and scone and carry at a cheaper price he said he had tea and a scone in a brand new cafe it's only one that's recently opened wait for this €4.20 Euro he said now I'll leave you in peace all the best <laughs> so a good bargain in Cahar Saivine if you can come across a new cafe they're doing tea and scones that is cheap isn't it €4.20 uh, thank you for that uh, Stephen and he was apologising at the start uh, not to nag you're not at all nagging it's good to have your information and thank you for your text to the programme Stephen to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. As every household and business will know, electricity and heating costs are rising. Some will say almost on a monthly basis. And the knock-on effect for churches is that some have been forced to ration their heating. Father Tim Hazelwood, Killer Parish Priest, a member of the Association of Catholic Priests, joins me with these concerns on this topic this morning. Good morning to you, Father Good morning. Tim. Uh, you're always welcome. Would I be right in saying that these increased costs couldn't have come at a worst time for churches with donations at, at their lowest levels? Absolutely, I suppose. Uh, um, I was talking to a priest lately and he said, you know, things were bad enough, but for this to happen, you know, for COVID to come, and what it has, I suppose, it has accelerated uh, the decline that was happening, and, and that's reflected in, in, in donations. People who haven't come back and who are not uh, contributing now. So the amount of, of, of money coming in is, 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 has decreased. And yet, uh, as you say, energy prices are increasing nearly every week, as we can see. Uh, and it's, it's highlighted, and I suppose another huge issue that's facing us um, in parishes is the fact of what's happening with the whole um, climate change, the the, the uh, demands that are being placed on us, like we have listed buildings which will never reach any grade, you know, if you know what I mean, in, in, in heat efficiency, and there are no grants, nothing, and we have to upkeep these magnificent buildings, and all our energies are being put into that. Would, it, would it be mm-hmm. extremely expensive to retrofit an, a church and make it warmer? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, how do, like our church here in Killa, for instance, is a listed building, and the roof is slate on timber. That's it. There's no insulation on the, in the roof. Oh, God. So, like, uh, underfloor heating goes straight out through the, the, the roof, you know, and, and we are then, we are kind of um, handcuffed on the other side then because it's listing, listed, there are some things we can't do. So, I, I'm just, I, I think in the future, parishes will just have to abandon old buildings because with the fewer numbers and fewer donations, how, how can we upkeep these? And there's no help from the state. Um, I think the only thing is to hand them over to the state probably in time. Now, I know straight away, before, I won't even wait for the text to come in because I know they will come in. People will say, why, why not look to the Vatican? The Catholic Church, when you look at it as, as an overall organisation, has a lot of wealth. Could they not help out? Okay, okay, but like, for instance, we have, uh, is it 48 parishes here in the, in the diocese? Some of them have four churches. Klein Parish has four churches. So, um, how would you, ex- how can you expect <laughs> um, the Vatican to upkeep all these? It's not practical. And the reality is that, like, it's like uh, any household. If we can't survive ourselves on what we have, then we have to make changes. There's no point looking from outside all the time, you know, to um, to fix our problems for us. And we're supposed to be try to be self-sufficient. I, I actually it feels awful having to be talking about I know, the money I know. side of it because that's not what we're supposed to. But like these are legacy things. Our churches are legacies from a past when the church had these big, impressive buildings. Um, but there'd be a great level of sadness to see some of those churches been forced to close. 
There will be, and which has happened. I know there's some Church of Ireland churches that they just had to let go of, and there was, there's a huge sadness because of, I suppose, uh, all our special moments are in these churches, and um, they mean so much, you know, to to people. But yes, I think the new generation are they seem to want to come for confirmation and communion, and that's about it, you know. Yeah, I sat in a church uh, last week, one evening last uh, week. My grandson was making his communion and he couldn't make it with his class because he'd been deemed a close contact of, of COVID. Right. So he, he had to make his uh, first Holy communion on his own. It turned out to be a lovely, special little occasion. But as I sat in the church, it was up in, in Clamel, huge, big, St. Yeah. Peter and Paul's Church in Clamel is a huge, big church. But I sat in the church and realised, like, I made my communion in that church. My son made his communion in that church. And here I was sitting with my grandson making his communion in that church. And there was something really special mm. about uh, about that. And looking at the tiles on the floor are the same tiles that I walked on. That, But then when I thought about that church, when I was thinking about this interview today, mm. heating that church, it's a great big old church. With big doors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then am I right in saying that it's even more expensive having to ventilate the churches with the doors open? The other problem, uh, you know, now we have to leave doors open. And, like, we haven't got the cold of the winter yet, but I, I dread what it's going to be like in, um, in December and January. And that's going to be part of it as well, you know. But that's, that's just the reality at the moment. I suppose in schools they're feeling it. They're going to be feeling the children will feel it as well. Windows open and... Um, will you be telling parishioners to wrap up warm yeah. extra layer put on the scarf and the hats and the gloves I think I'll be putting on the scarf and the hat saying <laughs> mess myself <laughs> there's a breeze in our church I don't know where it's coming from yeah. it, on the sanctuary during the winter when it's very bad and um, like, uh, we got a price to like our church has to be renovated it's, there's lots of problems and, and that was before Covid it was over a million euro so I dread to think what it would, would be now with prices increasing with buildings, you know, it's, um, but that's, change is difficult. Yeah, and are priests trying to be conservative with when they're switching on and off the heating? I mean, is that already starting? Well, that's, <laughs> it's of our nature to be like that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Until pe- parishioners start giving out. Um, like it's, it feels a bit pointless putting on heating for a few hours earlier and then the doors are open. Yeah, yeah. It's great with the, with the ventilation, yeah. You're, and as you say, with the, with, the, with the roof, you're just sending it up and, and out the roof as well. Somebody wants to know, why were those churches ever made so big? They're, of course, they're built in a very different era. Well, you see, this, and like historically, you must think of this after Catholic emancipation, you know, um, Catholics weren't allowed to practice their faith. And it's a bit like pe- people give out about all the priest houses. And it was at the time the people wanted to show off their faith because prior to that, they couldn't practice their faith. So they wanted it to be bigger and better. It was a political statement as well as a sign of faith, you know, in their, their beliefs. And like, it, it, some of them were outrageously big. Mm. And um, it, it, it was... I see in Dublin now, some of the ones that were built in the, in the 60s and 70s, they're, they're, they knocked one lately, and they're building a smaller church. You know, it was just to get the crowds in but it was a symbol of we're here now you know yeah, it was yeah. and they had come through such difficult times yes. uh, before that yeah. OK and your listener says could you ask Father Tim while you have, while you have him on uh, I need to go to a funeral mass tomorrow it's at normal numbers now back at funerals 
Is it normal numbers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is, yeah. It's okay. normal numbers. And, and people are being very good. At, like, I noticed that um, the, the huge crowds aren't there. I think people are careful yeah. around religious ceremonies anyway. And, like, we have kept all except the seating. And some churches have kept the seating every second seat. No, we haven't. But we sanitize after every celebration. And it, it's you come in one door, you leave by the other. So people aren't kind of bumping into each other and uh, wearing masks in the church and, and all of that. But but it, it's still, there's still a lot of it around. You know, we had a very uh, sad thing at the weekend. Uh, we had a, a marriage that had to be postponed because the bride got COVID. So oh, it was very my sad. God. Yeah, very sad. See, I see, and there is so much COVID still out there. And I know yeah. we have Tony Hulan saying to people, you know, limit your, your contacts. Mm. And I think that's making people nervous about going to something like that, a funeral mass or going to uh, a removal. But God help for a, for that to happen to a bride. Yeah, but hopefully oh. now in a few weeks' ah. time we'll be able to... You will, you will. God help her, God yeah. help her. All right, listen, Father Tim, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Yeah. You stay safe and thanks okay. for joining us. Thank uh, good you. morning Bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye. That is Father Tim Hazelwood from uh, Killa Parish. Somebody said maybe the churches could start doing a special collection just for the heating. I think maybe they're going to have to. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Join Trevor Welch for Premier League live Saturdays from midday on c103.ie powered by Talk Sport. We're bringing you pre-match analysis, live commentary, exclusive interviews and post-match breakdowns. That's the Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with an iSports or Sports Extra membership. Listen this Saturday on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Mortgage switching has hit an all-time high as homeowners seek to cut thousands of euros from their annual payments. To find out why so many people are making the move to switch, I'm joined by Martina Hennessy, who is MD of Doddle.ie, which is a a mortgage switching index uh, website. Good morning to you, Martina. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. What sort of numbers are you seeing who are actually switching mortgage providers? Yep, so uh, we've seen a year-on-year increase of 36% in terms of mortgage switching approvals to September. So that's a huge number of people who are seeing the positive benefits of reduced rates that are currently in the market and that are looking to switch their rate to save on interest and to reduce their repayments. So it's a 30% year-on-year increase in drawdowns. So 30% more people this year have drawn down their mortgage to switch that's than a, in the prior a, year. That's a big, that's a big yes. I- increase. And how much on average can a person save? Yes, so at Doddle we do a quarterly index that looks at the savings that you can make by switching. So this quarter to the end of quarter three, um, the average household could save €4,258 per year. So that's the difference between the highest and the lowest non-discounted rate on the market. So to kind of put it into context, Patricia, if we take... um, uh, every 100,000 that you have borrowed over, say, a 25-year term, you could save €135 per month. So if you owe 300000 on your mortgage, you could save €405 per month. And that's really a sign of how much rates have reduced over the last um, 12 months in particular with new entrants to markets such as Avant Money and um, really rewarding those or really, really reducing rates for those who have lower loan-to-values, who have more equity built up in their home. Is it a difficult process? I think whenever you think of switching mortgage, people go, oh my God, I wouldn't know where to begin. I I know. Is it a difficult process? 
And, well, I suppose, you know, in terms of like the barriers to switching, people think it's going to be costly or complex. And that's not the case, okay? So most lenders have what's called switcher packages where they pay, pay or cover the cost of switching. And then in terms of complexity, yes, there's a number of mortgage options on market, but that's where a really good mortgage broker, mortgage specialist, or, you know, at Doddle, we have eight lenders under our, on our platform comes in because, uh, you know, you won't know unless you're working in the industry, it's very difficult to know what lenders offer, what rates, what cashback offers are available, what overpayment options. So you really need to go to a specialist advisor when looking to switch. And that's why most of the market would go to a broker when switching their mortgage as opposed to going directly to the lender. It's different to when you purchase the properties. When you purchase the properties, it's emotional, you know, trying to find a property, trying to get approval for the level you need to borrow um, at and then completing on the purchase, where this is just a transaction to move from one lender to another to save on interest. So that's the important bit. It's all about saving on interest. It's all about getting that money back into your pocket as opposed to needlessly spending it on interest and on giving it to your mortgage provider. And does it matter how long you've had your mortgage in order to switch? I mean, can anybody switch? Yep, and once you've been showed show that you've um, met 12 months satisfactory repayments, so once you've had your mortgage run down for 12 months, you can look to switch your mortgage. One item would be that if you're on a fixed rate, that there may be a penalty if you break out of that fixed rate. So you just need to check if there would be a penalty to switch. But if you're rolling off a fixed rate or you do to roll off it, or indeed if you're coming to the end of a fixed rate, then you have to have rolled off your fixed rate to look at mortgage options. And everybody should assess their mortgage options regularly. Um, it's not just something you do one-off. At Doddle, we would see ourselves as our client's mortgage partner. So when you take out your mortgage, we review your mortgage at regular intervals going forward to make sure that you're you're paying as little as possible so that you accelerate the repayment of the mortgage and pay as little interest as you can do so. Yeah, because I think it's something we're getting better at. We're certainly getting better at switching our electricity provider, our telephone provider. Health insurance is something people have been looking at, I think, a year on year. There was, I mean, I think many years ago, you sort of had one provider and you had one provider uh, for life and certainly with a mortgage most people would say you got it was it's like when you open your bank account you stick with that bank for life yeah. but the fact that so much money can be say can be saved and that's the big one. Like like you've called out there, Patricia, you know, household bills, the, the, your, your main expenditure out of your, your monthly income is really your mortgage. You know, your, your electricity, absolutely, you can have, have some wins in terms of just reducing the cost of that. But the mortgage is the big ticket item. And more people are conscious of new players coming into the market. So they're conscious that, you know, Avant Money, ICS Mortgages uh, and Finance Ireland are now really, really stirring up where lenders are in rates. And where you might have taken your existing mortgage or your first mortgage out with with your own bank because you've said, you know, maybe there's loyalty there and you felt, you know, they're going to look after me. Really, when you have your mortgage in place, you're in control. You can look and say, okay, well, what's next? What next best fit for me? And your circumstances change over your t- over time as do your loan to value. Does your loan to value? So lenders charge rates based on loan to value and because the market has increased in terms of values of properties have increased um, by over 12% in the last 12 months it means that you have a stronger loan to value so you have more equity built up in your home and you can access and unlock these lower rates that are available. Okay and as you say good competition now between the mortgage providers at the moment. Yes absolutely and low rates which is great. Okay, uh, somebody says, please don't call out my name, it's fine. Our, our mortgage, we have 50,000 as left to pay. It's fixed. I think I was told, I was told to stay where I was by the lender. Would I be better off leaving? We took out the mortgage in 2006. 
Yeah, so it'll depend. I suppose if you're fixed, you just need to check if there would be a break penalty if you were to break out of that fixed rate. And also to look at the existing lender's rates. So if you're looking, you're saying, okay, you're on a fixed rate now. If you're due to roll off, what will that lender offer you? And are there better rates on market? Some lenders have a minimum loan amount of 50000 um, which is their minimum amount. So you might just be on that threshold. That listener might be on that threshold with that particular, or depending on the lender. But certainly looking at reassessing the rate um, based on what your lender has to offer is also an option if you've got if they've gotten advice that it's not possible to switch for some particular reason. But certainly always worth looking into. Worth looking into. Safe. Yeah, worth looking into. And your website, Doddle, D-O-D-D-L. People can find out more about the savings. All right, Martina, listen, thank you for that. And thanks thank for joining us. Uh, good morning to you, Martina Hennessy there, MD of Doddle.ie. And when we were talking with the, the mortgages, people trying to save money on mortgages previous to that, we were talking with Father Tim about electricity and heating prices and electricity prices seem to be going up all the time. Dennis in Lambertstown has uh, contacted us. Uh, good morning to you, Dennis. Good morning, Patricia. Dennis, I'm very well, thank you. You discovered a new charge when your when your electricity bill arrived in. That's right. Can I name my supplier? You can, yeah. You can, yeah. It's Panda Power. Okay. I'll go through there with you. Now, I've no problem with my unit price. So, my what units I bought, just to give you an idea, was ninety five euros. Okay. And all the, the other charges was one hundred and sixty euros. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So you've more more in charges than what you actually use in electricity. That's but that's that's the same for everyone. It's it's crazy. But you spotted something an additional charge. There's an additional charge then. Uh, and it what's the that's it's a wholesale market charge. A wholesale market charge. And this hasn't been on the bill previously. Only came this month. But I also got a letter. Okay. And I also had a contract signed, a 12 months contract. Now, the unit price is grand. I'm quite happy with that. But should I come up with a charge and word it? Something that we don't, they can put any wording they want in. Show on, should contracts are not what the paper they're written in, like, you know? Yeah, but I think, you know, in fairness, we got, we got straight on to uh, Panda Power when you contacted us uh, yeah. this morning. And, you know, they're back, as indeed every other electricity supp- supplier is saying the same thing. Due to significant and continuing increases in global wholesale energy costs, they've unfortunately had to announce retail electricity and gas prices. Uh, the bills have gone up since, no- from, from well, they're saying from November 22nd, but you've already got it on your bill. And they're talking about... That, that what you mentioned, it'll appear on your bill, market operator charges. That's right. Uh, charges are applied to generators and suppliers for the operation of wholesale markets. I mean, they're basically saying their hands are tied. They're saying rising global wholesale energy costs. Uh, it's, it's going up for everyone. They're saying on average, the equivalent will be €308 Euro per year increase for the average household for electricity and 217 per year increase for people who get gas from them. It's a lot of money, isn't it? 308 euro yeah. extra is, a year. Is that a charge that come, that will come in every two months? Or is it oh, yeah, yeah. From what I, from what I can gather, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's to do with un, unless and until the global wholesale energy costs starts to fall. But as a lot of people will tell you, they'll put up things, but it's rare that we start to see things coming down. Yeah. And is that based on, how did I calculate that charge? It, it's ba- it, it, uh, to me, looking at it, it's based on what you actually use. Yeah, the, that's, is it yeah. 
It's yeah. based on your use because they say the household electricity and gas bills will increase by 18.5%. Right, right, right. And that's when they give the equivalent of 308 for electricity and 217 per year over right. the whole year. Figures are based on the residential customer using the typical consumption per annum. They say that the rapid pace at which wholesale energy costs are rising is unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. And it's regret- regrettable the decision to increase is unavoidable. Sure, they'll, now they'll, con- they say they'll continue to monitor and review closely. Yeah, so that much couldn't sign a contract, so because it means nothing. Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. A lot of people will say the the, the same thing, but you know, the advice that we always give is every year when your contract is up, look out, see what else is there, and shop around. Yeah, but shall, that's what I did. I looked out and shopped around, and, and then suddenly the price has gone up. I know. They came up at this place, so it's frustrating. Pointless shopping around because should I can come up with some other figure or some other price that. We have nothing, you know, it's beyond our control, so, you know. Yeah, it is frustrating. Yeah. All right, Dennis, thank That's you for fine. that. Thanks, Thanks a million. Thanks Bye-bye. for joining us. 1850-333-103. And I think we're nearly going to start calling it Stone Gate. We are... are we had Stephen on to us earlier uh, about his scone and the cheaper scone that he got in uh, Kerry and that Kerry is better value for the scones. Uh, we'll let the scone gate continue. Dermot says, tell Stephen from County Kerry you get a lot better scones in Cork and that the scones in Cork are actually bigger than the scones that you get in cafes in Kerry and hence the reason why they'd be a little bit more expensive. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Listener looking for help, please. Mary is in the North Cork area. St. Patricia, I wonder if any of your listeners could help me, please. I've broken off the front part of a tooth for my denture. And I'm wondering, is there anybody doing denture repairs in the North Cork area? Now, I can go into a dentist, but if I go into a dentist, it's going to take up to a, a week to get the denture back. In truth, it'll only take a few seconds to actually glue it back into place. Can anybody point our Mary in the right direction and the fact that it's on the front part of the denture as well? It wouldn't have been one from the back, Mary, would it? No, sod's law, it'll always be one at the front. Anybody know denture repairs in the North Cork area, please? 1850-333-103. And as I say, Mary, willing to travel anywhere in the North Cork area in order to get it uh, fixed, a bit of glue, and it'll be right as rain. If anybody can help us with that, please contact us. Some of your thoughts coming in. Some of your calls into John Paul. Pat in from Moy says what he's been noticing of late that a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people are just walking straight into shops and they don't st- stand at the door and hand sanitise the way people were doing previously. And he reckons because of that, the hand sanitizer at the door of a lot of shops are not being refilled. And that kind of ties in with yesterday, people saying that they've noticed that when they go into shops, that a lot of the bottles and jars of hand sanitizing gel, they're not always full. Pat reckons it's because people are not using them and therefore if they're not being used, they're empty and nobody's pointing out to the shop that they're actually empty because that's what I keep saying to people if you go in somewhere and the hand sanitising station is empty let the shop owner or the people working in the shop know because they may be unaware that the actual container is empty but if people are not using it then people are obviously not pointing it out to the shop owners and therefore they will continue to remain empty so I think you could be right on that Pat. He also says that when I was questioning the Gardaí have enough to be doing without going around into pubs and cafes and 
restaurants asking people do they have their COVID cert. Pat says at the end of the day the Gardaí are the only ones that can check and enforce if you have your COVID uh, cert. And if we don't have enough Gardaí, says Pat, his suggestion would be bring the army in get the army in to do it. And Tom is a bar owner. He heard me uh, earlier talk about the meeting that's happening today with the hospitality sector. He's feeling a little bit threatened by the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, particularly over the checking of COVID certificates. He says threatening businesses that have been closed for months will not get the required response. Tom says they need to meet the heads of all of these organisations and work with the bar owners and work with the representatives rather than work against them. Well, in fair I think that's what the Taoiseach is attempting to do today. It's this afternoon. He's called in all the heads of industry and you're a bar owner. So the Vintners Federation of Ireland who represent bars all around the country, they're going to be there. The Licensed Vintners Federation, they represent the Dublin pubs. They're going to be there. The Restaurant Association, anybody involved in the nighttime trade and industries, they're all going to be there. So they are trying to talk to all of the various heads of all of the organisations and try to work out what can be done to make sure that people are COVID compliant. So they are trying, Tom. We'll wait and see what comes out of that meeting this afternoon. Bingo. If you're a bingo fan, it's going ahead this evening in Bantir. Eight o'clock, the usual buses will be running. Back to Scone Gate. This is Jim in Balancolic. Said they went into uh, the Cork City to coffees and two slices of Rocky Road. Oh, Rocky Road, gorgeous cake. Came to just over 11 euro. Jim thought that was a little bit expensive. So it is looking like all of the establishments when they have reopened but then they'll say the cost of doing business has gone up as well. It does look like everybody, it seems to be gone up everywhere. Fidelma was in a cafe a couple of weeks ago and they asked for a top up on the pot of uh, tea because the pot of tea that they got, I don't know if it was tea for two or how many, just the bare amount was in it. So literally the person took it away and topped it up with uh, boiling water but when it came back it literally was just topped up with boiling water they don't, they, when they looked into the teapot the one tea bag was still inside in the pot so she said it was like drinking a pot of water Fidelma said they reckon the next time they're going to be bringing their own tea bags with them and when they look for the top up and I'm assuming you didn't get charged for the for the top up they'll just slip their own tea bag in Fidelma's worried that if this continues it's going to turn people away but the business will say the business will tell you they're frantically trying to keep their front door open and I suppose if everybody was getting a top up for free and I when I gave my example yesterday of paying the full whack for the top up I wasn't in any way suggesting that I felt we should have got it for free but I don't think you should be charged the same amount as when we sat down to have our tea for two uh, because we were using the same teacups so there wasn't the same amount of work involved or the same washing up involved so I think on top ups it should be at a reduced uh, rate and I wasn't expecting anybody to throw a tea bag in for free I was willing to pay for it but anyway Fidelma reckons that businesses need to be careful that they may turn people off and it'll actually work against them and people won't won't be going into these businesses anymore 1850 we were talking about electricity costs and electricity costs going up for everyone uh, Gary says €870 Euro a year that's what it cost Gary to run a metre in a commercial premises which has been more or less lying idle for all of last year due to uh, COVID. It's offices and stairwells, but he has to have the electricity on. But everybody 
who normally would be in the building, they're all working from home, but he's had to pay €870 to keep the electricity up and running. But a lot of that, Gary, would be to do with all of the standing charges. We get the standing charges before we hit a light switch. So I'm assuming your 870 is made up of a lot of that. He did reach out to his electricity provider, but unfortunately he didn't get anywhere with it. Yeah, businesses, the businesses that have closed have really, have, have, it's been really, really tough. And we were talking about the churches and what's been going on with the churches, with the churches trying to heat and they're very big buildings. And, you know, Father Tim talking about their roof, the slate and just the timber underneath it. So all of the heat is just going out. But the fact that there are a lot of our churches, the majority of our old churches are listed buildings. So they even to try and attempt to retrofit them and make them warmer. There's only a certain amount of work that they can do because they're listed buildings. But you're talking about millions, millions to make any of those uh, churches compliant with, you know, the A, the A rate, the Burr rating for buildings. It would be just, I'd say you'd nearly build a new church before you'd pay the amount that you would need to do to retrofit uh, a church. Somebody says, Patricia, I think with the, the height in church ceilings, there's no need for open doors. When we were talking about the way the churches have to, be, have to be ventilated, I saw in one church they had a sliding automatic glass door fitted at the end behind the seats. Uh, surely, surely that's a good plan in other churches churches could copy it. They open and close in the centre, uh, the same at the sides when people are coming into the church. So it's almost sealing the church and I'm assuming they did that to try to conserve energy. But this listener reckons that because these ceilings are so high, surely you don't need to ventilate the same way as you'd say we need to ventilate a classroom. But I think the ventilation to do with COVID is more to do with air coming in and circulating around the building. But they probably wouldn't need to do it as much, I suppose, as what you're saying with uh, high ceilings. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And we were also talking in the last hour about switching your mortgage and how there are savings to be made by people switching. And there's been an increase. I was surprised to hear an increase of 30% across last year on people who had switched over the previous years. Because to me, the very thought of switching a mortgage, I thought would be way too complicated. But somebody who has switched says, Patricia, I recently switched mortgages. And just for anybody else out there thinking about it, I'd like to give my opinion. I'm glad I did. But I have to say it is a lot of work. I wouldn't go into switching mortgages lightly. You're actually getting a new mortgage. So it's like a new application. Saying switching to me made it all sound terribly easy, like less paperwork. This is full on. You have to have visitors to solicitors, etc. COVID obviously made it all a little bit slower. And so more wage slips had to be provided to prove that you are working, etc. But having said all of that, it was worth it at the end of the day but don't go into it lightly says that well done thank you for that but you've saved money by the fact that you say it is worth it but you do need to be committed and and you're right I mean I think that's what's put people off switching mortgages because everybody knows what it was like applying for their first mortgage so it's similar to that so you need to put the time into it but I suppose it's a little bit like People switching health insurance, I think, is the worst one for me every year because that can be an absolute nightmare because when you're trying to see are you getting exactly the same as what you had before and you want to be sure you're having the same cover and there's so many different plans that you do need. But I think for the health insurance, you just need time. 
you need to be able to sit down and I normally sort of allocate an afternoon where I have nothing else, phone switched off and literally focus on looking at the health insurance. You need to put time into it. But certainly for a mortgage application, there is going to be a lot more paperwork. But glad to know that it worked for you and that it worked well and that you're happy with it. And thank you for sharing that so that we can pass it on and share it for others as well. 1850 On the heating of churches, somebody says, uh, Liz says, Patricia, why not use solar panels for heating of churches, lighting and lighting in churches? Would that not be an option? Could that be a good idea? Because churches are great big buildings. They have a lot of roof space. Could they put solar panels up on top of them? Would they be allowed to do that on a listed building though, Liz? Because Father Tim was saying their hands are tied with a lot of what they can and can't do because it's a listed building. But certainly it's a, a good, good suggestion. And if they got in a lot of solar panels onto the roof of the church, it could completely cover the cost of their heating and their lighting bills. And thank you to one of our regular listeners whose daughter has been in ICU with COVID and was on a ventilator and has been very, very unwell for a number of weeks. And I asked her to keep us updated and she's just come in with the latest to say, that her daughter is doing well but she's admitting that there's a long long road ahead so thank you and just to say we're, th- we're thinking of your daughter and keeping her in our thoughts and prayers and uh, good to know that she's on the right side of uh, COVID and while yes there'll be a long journey ahead but please God that it'll be sooner rather than later than she's back home with you and she's well on the road to recovery. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs an office administrator is required for a busy medical centre near Blarney. You need to email uh, Mandel, M-A-N-D-I-E, at towermedical.ie. Design Pro Automation, they're based in Limerick. They've got a vacancy for an assembly technician. CVs, please, to careers at designproautomation.com. Coonvera Treatment Centre, they've got vacancies for a receptionist and a facilitator. CVs, please, to cdaily at coonvera.ie. And a medical secretary is wanted for a busy GP practice in Mallow. Now, it's for immediate start and it's to cover a maternity leave. Email caroline.gray at corkroadclinic.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yesterday on the programme, I spoke with the inspirational author Kevin Quaid, who outlined what his life is like living with Louis Body Dementia. Kevin spoke about the support he and his wife Helena get from the Alzheimer's Society. And this morning, we're very much going to stay on that theme because I'm joined from East Cork by Caroline Colbert whose husband Jim was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2017 and thanks to international singer-songwriter Don Meskel, a song for Jim has been released to raise vital funds for the Alzheimer's Society of uh, Ireland. Uh, Caroline Colbert uh, joins me this morning. Good morning to you Caroline. Good morning Patricia. Well, Thank, thank you. you so much. Well, well, thank you for joining us and, and talking to us uh, about it. I actually watched the video uh, this morning before I came on air and I, God, I just found it so uh, emotional. But can you just go back and tell me the story behind this recording? Because that is the one that is truly special. Tell me how it all came about. Uh, Patricia, it's, it was 
a series of amazing events, really. Um, that song is really special for Jim and I because we love it. Um, and we started playing it. And I used to make very clumsy videos of all the moments that we were making. Since diagnosis, I just wanted to have a library of Jim. I wanted to share, have something to look back on all the moments that we were enjoying. So um, one rainy night, I sent a message to Don Meskell thinking, you know, that this message will go to someone in his PR team and they'll send me back a lovely thank you for reaching out to us and um, it's been lovely and we passed the message on to Don but what happened was Don actually messaged me back and I thought oh my gosh you know um, so then we started you know having conversations and I told him about Jim and I told him how much the song meant to us um, and then he said, look, if there's ever, keep, please keep in touch. And he told me about his mother, who's 97. He's from a family of 11, how they've all had robust, good health and how he feels very blessed. So, um... And had you, up. had you ever met Don Mescal? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love, I mean, he, I mean, everybody knows how talented and incredibly gifted he is. Yeah. Um... And, you know, uh, Patricia, in, it's funny, but in Cork, when we talk, when we say Dan Meskel here, we say Dan Meskel, Dan Meskel, and it's become an in-joke. When Dan said, look, if there's ever anything I can do, and he said, look, this is a contact number, and I thought, oh, I better talk to, the, you know, my Alzheimer's family um, and get them to make the connection with Dan and see what would happen. And when I rang, there's a lovely girl, Rona Gerard, who works in the Alzheimer's Society in Black Rock. We used to go to the daycare there. And I rang Rona and she put me on speaker. And I said, listen, you know, I was in contact with Dan Miskell because I love the song. Well, I have a contact number and he's willing to have a chat about to see what he could do. And they all just went, you mean Dan Miskell? Dan Miskell, you have his number. And it just became an in-joke. So if ever I talk to Dan, I say, well, hello, Dan Miskell, Dan Miskell. Um, so <laughs> and, um, uh, OK, and actually, let's talk to Dan Miskell, Dan Miskell, because yes. he's on the other line. <laughs> Good, Good morning, morning, ladies. <laughs> Good morning, Don. How are you doing? Patricia and Caroline. Yeah, I'm really good. It's it's um it's almost sunny up here in County Cavan. Okay. Um, which is it's nice and it's nice to hear um Caroline's voice again. She's um uh, God, she's a special lady. Isn't, um, isn't she just? Yeah, isn't she, isn't yeah. she just? And what was it about Caroline and Jim's story? that made you decide, look, I can do something here. I'll try and help them out. Well, look, really, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not the best at social media. I have a fantastic um, girl, Catherine, that looks after the social media side for me. Um, but the odd time they'll come up on my phone and I just read her initial message and, and I said to her at the time, it was like uh, it was like one heart speaking directly to another heart. There was no interference from the outside world it was actually it was one of those messages that even if you wanted you just couldn't ignore it was just so honest and um and joyful and sad um all kind of mixed into one that i i couldn't ignore it and i just thought of myself it was kind of a grounding moment where i thought wow you know ma'am my own mother's 97 thank god she's in perfect health you know she's as sharp as a pin we don't have that in our family and then to read about and to hear about um, Jim, um, I, it, like it was, it was heartbreaking. But there was something very, um, almost like spiritual about it. And maybe at that particular time, that's what I needed in my life to hear uh, a sort of, a, almost like a, a reassurance of human nature. You know, like yeah. a, of, of kindness. 
and uh, and Caroline, what is it about the song? Which, by the way, we're going to play, we're going to play it in a moment. Uh, it's called the last song. What what is it particularly about that song for you and Jim? I think you know people talk about the legacy you leave in life, and they talk about you know buildings and this and that and bling. The legacy of Jim is one of love. The man is pure love. Always was pure love. And when we started listening to the song initially, you know, like we dance and we cry initially to it. And that, like, Jim really was one of the most, and is one of the most positive people you could ever meet. He smiled and Patricia still lights up a room, well, it's just for me. And I know the team at Oak Lodge are listening today and Jim is with them. And I know that, like, he's sitting with Anne Hearn, Elaine Gearan, Shamal Allen, Justin, and they'll all be smiling at Jim and he'll be smiling back thinking, oh, that's me. And I think the song really sums up, at the end of the day, what matters in your life, really? Is it the stuff? You know, I think we've become a society, in, un, unfortunately sometimes, that we use people and we love things. And I think we need to love people and use things. Yeah, that's a... That's, that's a, a really good point. That's a beautiful point. And actually, you know, Caroline, really when myself and my buddy Mike Reed sat down and wrote that song in Nashville on that particular day, we were actually talking about that. We were saying that if you were to get that moment towards the end of your life to look at what was important in your life, you know, really what's important to your life is, is love, the love that you've given, the love that you felt for the ones around you, for your family, and nothing else is important, you know. So that's actually where, I guess, the song came from. It's, a, know, it's a very emo- it's a very emotional song, and you've recorded it with proceeds to go now to the Alzheimer's Society, John. Yeah, I have. Sure, I was delighted to do that. I mean, originally it was on um, I uh, my album, which was Lighthouse Keeper in two thousand and eighteen, and um, originally I sang it with um, my dear friend and the lovely Mara O'Connell, and and uh, you know, and that was a lovely experience. But you know. I always felt that there was there was another journey this song was going to go on. And I wasn't surprised at all then when this happened. You know, I believe in the universe, believe in God. And um, I think that this song has some work to do. And I think that this is part of the work that it's going to do. And when Caroline came along, Caroline is like, when she came up and visited me in the church, um, I I realized that I was probably talking to a, an angel on her, you know. She was one of these people where she probably doesn't even know, but she she gives off this sort of um there's a sort of a glow about her and and that's beautiful and it's energizing. So so as a songwriter, you know, you know success is, is relative, you know, it it you know success can come in many different ways, but this to me to be able to do this for the Alzheimer's Association, and for Jim, who I'm really looking forward to meeting, like that's the biggest thing. This is such a, a happy surprise in my life. And it's the so video, happy. I mean, I watched the video before I came on air this morning, and it actually made me cry. Uh, yeah. It's it's very emotional. It's it's it, I, the video is beautiful, um, Don. The video is just so special, and and, and I know Caroline said it as well. But what strikes me and Kate our other wonderful Kate Duran said it. What strikes us all about the video is when you're looking at the video, you're not quite sure when it comes to the partners which in the relationship or which of the two people is suffering from the from 
from either the dementia or the Alzheimer's, you know, and because it's just, it's it's a sort of a joyous thing. Yeah, and um, there's love in every single photo. I thought the same thing I was trying to work yeah. out. Who has the Alzheimer's? Who has the dementia? Exactly. And it's just, it's just, yeah. it's it's love. And Caroline, the Jim having to move to the nursing home last year, mm-hmm. was that tough for you? I'm very, very fortunate, Patricia. Everything that's happening so far around Jim and with Jim has all been planned by Jim. Um, we were lucky that we had a buffer of time from when he got the autoimmune um, encephalitis diagnosis to then it changing to that it was dementia. We had a buffer of time and Jim loved plans. You know, like, Patricia, we'd be going on holidays and the door, the cabin door closing on the flight. we get a drink each and Jim would always say, that, OK, what's the plan? Because we were never on holidays to sit by a pool. It was always, we were going on yoga retreats, we were trekking, climbing. There was always some activity involved in a holiday. So that was always our thing. When we start anything, there was a plan. So Jim planned every part of this. Um, and I think he knew. He, Jim used to always say, I want you to be my wife. I don't want you to be my carer. He had a huge problem with the word carer anyway. And um, he was very clever because he knew when a push came to shove, I wouldn't do it. I used to be so upset when he'd even bring the subject up and I'd say, we'll talk about that another night. And he said, no, I really want you to listen. This is what I want. What I want has to matter here. So all this was orchestrated by Jim. Um, and he was very, so in everything he did, he thought of everybody else. Jim's biggest thing was he didn't want to be a burden on anybody who loved him. He wanted to make sure that he had dignity throughout the whole journey, which he has had. The team that look after him, Patricia, honestly, like they say at Oak Lodge on the way in, it's a home from home. And that ethos really is there because they look after me as much as they mind Jim. And the day he walked through the doors, um, I mean, I was so upset. But Jim put a plan in place that while I was the one leading it, I had support around me from other people because he knew when push came to show, I wouldn't do it. But I, I said, oh, look, we wait another while, we wait another while, and that's the way I was going until the other people that he had to ensure I followed his wishes rang and said, no, it's time. What we a great man. Now. What you a great know, man. I'm, and and how, Caroline, how is he doing today? I would imagine about now, <laughs> they do a me like, Patricia, he was only in there two weeks, you know, and there's a lovely gentleman who was the director of nursing, Joe Faulkner. And can you imagine, they were in the middle of a pandemic, trying to care for so many people. And one morning I rang him and I said, Joe, I'm collecting Jim today at one o'clock, he's coming home. And he said, OK, um, why are you doing that? And I said, because, look, we didn't plan it this way. You see, initially he was only going in for three or four days a week, coming home at weekends, still using um, the daycare centre in Blackrock. But then COVID happened and everything changed. And um, I said, no, I'll be there at two o'clock. And Joe spent half an hour on the phone with me explaining how, well, he's actually in the day room having a cup of tea at the moment and they're listening to music. But how are you doing? And I was just lost. While his life expanded and he had this lovely family around him now of new faces and loving people, I was here on my own with the dog going, what just happened? What what happened now? Um, Yeah, You know, so obviously that day he didn't come home because they, I mean, Joe really counseled me, I say, for half an hour saying, but you know, you've no daycare if he comes home. And, you know, this was his plan. No, you made the right decision. You made the right, and I think Jim, Jim has made the right decision. 
And I think he knows that's why he's so happy that we're honouring everything he ever wanted. Because one day during the summer, um, he wasn't in there long and Joe gave me permission to bring him home and he could sit in the garden with me for half an hour. And I kept saying, OK, universe, if, if he wants to come home, let him say, I'll stay here with you. I had all this in my head. And after half an hour, he looked at me and he said, OK, I'm off. And I said, really? Oh, I need to go back. He said, uh, they'll be waiting for me. And why I... My heart broke another little bit again. I thought, okay, you're really happy. And that's the one constant thing he will keep telling me. I look into his eyes because people say, you know, does he know you? Does he understand you? The days of the week, Patricia, don't matter with love. But the time of the day doesn't matter. But he hasn't got the right words to express stuff. No, non-verbal. Like, somebody can look at you and you know. Like, you could look at somebody across the room and know, I don't need that person to talk to me. I just know they're present and we still have that connection. Okay, we mightn't have the words we once had, but we still have the depth of emotion we always had. You're terrific. You really, really are. Uh, you I'm are. Really you're just, you're, you're, you're incredible. So, uh, hundreds like I know, I know, I know. Like I used to, the first day we went to the daycare centre in Black Rock, I really struggled with it. And I sat in the car for the first hour saying, Sure, look, they're going to say, we can't see any signs of dementia here. Take them home again. And they didn't, they kind of did the opposite. They came out and offered us extra hours and wow. extra support. Um, and from that day to this, they have taught me how structure was so important. I mean, we had such a tight schedule here in the house that my life, my, I'm lucky my friends and family helped me because, like, my friends would ring me and say, do you want to go for coffee? And I said, I can't really because between 10 and 11 we do this and we used to go to a singing for the brain group on Mondays. You know, we filled our days with all the things that he loved. Um, and I'm so blessed. We have amazing memories. And I have them all in the cloud. They're all so good. And now you've got this incredible video and, and song by Don. And Don, like that video is all credit to Don as well. He came up with, like he has put so much work into this project. Um, you know, that he's done more than just re-record the song with Olivia Keys, who has an amazing voice as well. Um, he has, like, produced the video. And the day I went up to Crivy, Patricia, like, I was so overwhelmed. And I think he copped. And when I arrived, oh, she's in free fall. Like, and I was, really. And he made me a cup of tea and relaxed me before the photographer came. Um, because I see a camera and I know some people light up I'm the opposite <laughs> I, it's I my pleasure oh, well, well you're a beautiful looking woman you should light up on, on the camera okay, yeah, it, was I Barry's, want, it was Barry's yeah. tea Patricia was it Barry's tea yeah. well done Don well done okay I want everyone to sit back and relax and just listen and listen to the words of the song because it really is uh, magnificent uh, to Don Meskel thank you so much for joining us on the programme so uh, Don it's, it's, it's a real pleasure chatting to you and uh, Caroline good luck to you and best wishes to to Jim and we really do hope that this raises a lot of money for the Alzheimer's Society because we know the fantastic work that they do but thank you both uh, for joining us Uh, good morning to you bye bye this I can see lots of reaction coming into Don Meskel's song people saying what a beautiful song somebody else said in tears listening to it what a gorgeous song well done to Don and people wanting to wish Caroline and Jim all the very best so thank you for that now this time two years ago my next guest had never done any comedy work and now 24 months later Cork social worker Sinead Quinlan has just launched her second very own RTE show online and Sinead uh, joins me. Good morning to you Sinead. Morning. Uh, you I'm very well thank you. Take me back. How, how did the comedy come about? 
Um, pure kind of a fluke thing. So I did the masters in social work. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to take a year like before I get into proper adult jobs, you know. <laughs> and, um, I was like, I'll just do like random things I've always wanted to do. So uh, stand-up comedy was one of them. So I was like, I'll just do it once so that I can see it. Like, um, And then, yeah, it just kind of took off. Like I really liked it when I did it. I was like, I'll have to do another one. And then there was a competition and I ended up entering that. Um, it was actually my dad saw it in the newspaper. That we was the Ray, the Ray Darcy one? The Ray Darcy one, yeah. yeah. So we were uh, we were in Hillbillies at the time eating a taco fries. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> as you do. So this is where it all began, literally. If we didn't have that taco fries, I might not be here with the with the series. So little did you know. Yeah, and then a lot of people will know your face from Den TV last Christmas. Was was that a great experience? Oh my God. Best experience ever. Like that's my first proper T V experience. So I've I've peaked too soon, like I mean there's there's no topping that, like <laughs> And I tell you, because when I mentioned this morning that you were coming on and and I referenced the Den TV just so people could work out who we were talking about, the amount of people who are so disappointed that it's not coming back this Christmas. I know, including myself. I was so sad, Trisha. I actually, when I found out it wasn't coming back, I went straight to the fridge and I ate grated cheese right out the bag. I was like, oh my God. It was so good, like, so disappointing it's not coming back. But I don't know. We'll still, we'll keep the fingers crossed that maybe there might be some chance of coming back in the future, but... Yeah, you never know. You, you yeah. never know. But you're, seriously, Sinead, that this was, this is the comedy series that you have that's on the RT player. Yes, <laughs> we better talk about it. We better. You, um, did, you'd lo- you did your first one last year. Yeah. So as part of that competition, the Ray Darcy competition, so I won that and the prize was that you got a pilot to make a series. Okay. There's no guarantees they'd make it or whatever, but they did, thankfully. So the first one came out last year. Um, so I got a second one, which is great. So basically, it's kind of confusing. So it's about me, but it's also a fictional character, if that makes any sense. And so they're short. They're short. Shorted ones, yes. episodes. They're about, like, they're about 10 minutes. There's four 10-minute episodes. Um. So it's me, a stand-up comedian, this series. I'm going up to Dublin to try to make it in the big smoke. Um, you know, I was trying to find a house. I was trying to get a job. Like, I rock up to RTE. Um, I'm trying out the dating scene. Uh, but it just so happened I had to get, like, a wisdom tooth extracted. So I'm a big, like, swollen tooth while doing, um, going on speed dating and all this. Um, and, yeah, I'm trying to get a gig. And, um, and you, do, you, do, you do manage to get a job in the city. I do, in a very uh, unusual place. <laughs> a place you wouldn't expect me to get a job. Uh, I and went in for a sausage roll and uh, I got something else, so yeah. And we're not going to say where she got the job. You're going, you're going to have to view it. You're going to have to view it online. And you go looking for the Cork Embassy in Dublin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The Cork Embassy, which there should be. Like, do you know what I mean? You need this kind of help when you go up. Because we, to be fair, like, we get a bit overwhelmed, do you know what I mean? We do come from the real capital. Well, that's it. That's it. It's, yeah. the, it's the dubs need to be coming down here. We'll get a Dublin embassy for them instead. And is comedy now the full-time job, Sinead? Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm doing. So the stand-up now, I'm kind of held for letter at that because um, I was only kind of doing that like six months before the pandemic. So I'm just gigging as much as I possibly can in places like City Limits and Stephen Quark O'Brien. Um... Yeah, just gigging the whole time and then hopefully like the aim is that I'll have my own show. Mm. Um, 
So maybe next year, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And stand-up comedy to me has got to be probably the toughest of all of the, the, the live work. Have you, and, and I'm sure it's happened. Have you died at some stage up on a stage? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's part and parcel, unfortunately. Uh, it hasn't happened often now, thank, thankfully, like. But um, sometimes, like, comedy is a funny one because, you know, there's some things, like, I wouldn't find funny that other people find funny. It's just, it's very kind of, it's strange that way. Like, you kind of have to find your crowd. Um, but, like, it's it's uh, it's always a funny story after it happens. You know what I mean? When you're dying at the time, it's horrible. But it's funny when you think back. Yeah, you can you, you, yeah. Can, you can get a laugh out of a day. But then when it works, there's got to be nothing like the buzz of hearing people laugh. Oh, yeah. When that energy is right, like, it's like the most beautiful thing in the world. And I love how um, stripped back it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is. It's just a ghoul standing on a stage with a mic. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's it. And just a room full of people. And it's brilliant. Yeah, it's just so stripped back and it's great. And like I said, when it works, it's the best thing in the world. But a, a tough industry for a female. Um, maybe like before, but I think now it's great to be female in comedy. Is it good? That's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, there's loads of opportunities and like all the lineups are very fair and stuff. And I think there's a load of women now like paving the way. Like I suppose like Dear Jo Kane would have been one of the only ones around when she started. And so I don't know what it would have probably would have been tough for her. Like, but I think now there's loads of women doing this stuff. So. Well I've had a great experience so far, which is good. <laughs> and have you a preference over TV over the live, or would, would you prefer the live to the TV? Uh, obviously, I love both. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to be greedy here, I'll take it all. <laughs> I'll just take it all. Um, I think I, I do love stand-up. I think I, that's kind of my, my number one at the moment. But uh, obviously... I mean, the den, if that came back, that'd be the best thing ever happened in the world. So Yeah, you, t- you, would, you would take it in a heartbeat. But your Absolutely. timing couldn't have been worse. You just started the stand-up and then the lock- yeah. and then a pandemic arrives. Yeah, which is just funny in itself. I mean, it's the classic thing that would happen to me. Like, it's a standard Sinead Quinlan life there. What, to, what, did you do during, what did you do during all the lockdowns? Uh, well, actually, for the den, I was making the first series. I was actually very lucky. I was doing things. So I made the first series in it. I wrote it in the first lockdown. Um, and then we made it, like, just for the second lockdown. So <laughs> just for my teeth. And then the den, I'm sure, was during all yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Well, that was like, in the so. middle of it. That was in the middle of it. You kept busy. I'm just thinking of your parents and your master's degree in social work and there's obviously a lovely picture somewhere of the graduation and all of that there's our Sinead what's she doing now? Stand-up comedy yeah that goes <laughs> just imagine the parents listen uh, Sinead uh, you, you've been f- fantastic anytime we've seen you on TV and I would say to anybody to go on to the RT player because your pieces are really really funny you really have a great great talent and we wish you luck uh, with it and with interest we will follow your career but thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us thanks for good morning thanks, to you bye 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 bye, Cork comedian Sinead Quinlan. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
and a little thing that we did last year to try to help and boost uh, charities because last year charities were really really struggling with so little fundraising available and many of those charities are still uh, struggling this year so last year we ran a campaign where we were asking charities if you have a calendar for sale that you're using as part of fundraising for your organisation to get the calendar into us so that we could take a look at it and by looking at it we'd be able to describe it and hopefully try and sell a few more extra calendars for you. Lo and behold our first calendar has already arrived this year and I suppose now is the time of year when people are buying their calendars for 2022. So my thanks to Father Liam Kelleher who sent me in his calendar which is of Cove and the Great Island for 2022 and it retails with a five euro suggested donation if you want to give more you can and all the proceeds from Father Liam's calendar will be going to St Benedict's Priory in Cove and St Benedict's Priory in Cove is home to an enclosed contemplative community of Benedictine nuns and they live according to ancient monastic tradition of prayer and hospitality. The building houses the sisters enclosure and all that is necessary for their very simple lifestyle. But of course, within the walls of the Priory, there's a very large chapel which is open to the public, which joins the nuns at choir. But this, uh, for anyone... It, People would know Father Liam Kelleher and he's a great man with his camera. He's fantastic at photography. So it is a selection of his photographs, I'm assuming taken over the last year, of Cove and the Great Island. I mean, there's just stunning pictures just even on January of White Point uh, Cove. And then when you go through it, you know, the sun setting on the promenade in uh, Cove. Belvelli Castle uh, is there. St Coleman's Cathedral uh, is in there. And there's just gorgeous photographs of flowers taken at photo gardens and on and on the pictures go. It really is a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeously produced calendar as well. So anybody in Cove and Great Island, this is certainly one for you. Or do you know what I love about these calendars like this as well for the diaspora if you have loved ones living abroad this would really make a lovely Christmas present if you're sending a parcel or the Christmas card to pop one of these in the post for a loved one living abroad because I think there's something nice about being away from home and then every month turning over the page of the month by month and a little bit of home is there in your home wherever you are anywhere around the world so best of luck to Father Liam Kelleher in Cove and his calendar Cove and the Great Island so any other charity or organisation from a fundraising point of view if you're involved involved with producing calendars for this year can you get one of the calendars into us uh, please you just send them to us here at uh, C103 uh, Ghouls Hill in Mallow and get it in and we'll mention as many of the calendars as we can and if we get a chance as the weeks roll on between now and Christmas we'll re-mention some of them as well I remember last year we toyed around with would we have a competition for the best one and we thought no because they're all such fantastic calendars it would be so hard to pick out one because each and every one of them are are beautiful and we all need a calendar so when you're considering buying calendars this year please think local and think about charities in your area that might be producing a calendar so let us know if you've got a calendar for your organisation your charity so that we can let listeners know and then they might just go off and look out for your calendar and it's the same Uh, you've heard me say this every year I think since I've been sitting in this chair doing this programme for your Christmas cards to please try to remember when you're buying your Christmas cards to buy some if not all of 
your Christmas cards to buy charity ones if at all possible uh, please even if you can just buy some uh, charity ones and there's gorgeous Christmas cards out and about Christmas cards one of those things we all we all send them every year and it's just I think nice that if we can at the same time try to help out uh, a charity I know when I was down in Skull for mid midterm I popped into the Blue Columbanus shop I'm a, I'm a great advocate and fan of Brew Columbanus and the amazing work that they do in Cork City. But I popped in there and got some of their beautiful um, Christmas cards. They really are lovely. So just try to remember charities for Christmas cards as well, please. OK, let me move on. The denture. Remember, somebody was on to us earlier that the front of all teeth to break off the denture, it would be a front tooth, wouldn't it, one of our listeners, and was looking for somebody in the North Cork uh, area who could fix it because going into a dentist, the denture would have to be gone away for a week and doesn't want to be without her dentures for the week and said if the listener is willing to travel as far as Limerick City there's a Charlie O'Neill he's a dentist on Thomas Street in Limerick and he repairs the dentures while you wait now I don't know if our listeners check that out do any local dentists do them while you wait but then John was on and actually there was a couple of texts in saying the same thing you can actually buy a kit inside in a chemist and it only costs a couple of euro and you can actually do it yourself and John says he's speaking from experience very same thing happened to him and he said it literally took a couple of seconds it's called it does exactly what it says on the tin guess what it's called a denture repair kit so pop into a chemist and see because if it's a clean break if it's just literally snapped off it is possible to repair it yourself thank you for that John says he did it and there was others were making the same thing Nancy when we were talking about churches when we spoke with Father Tim and the problem that all churches not just here in Cork this is going to be a nationwide issue they're such particularly the older larger uh, churches they're not insulated and there's a huge problem with heating costs and with heating costs and electricity costs rising, churches are finding it really, really difficult to cover the cost of their heating bills. Nancy says what always gets to her, when, particularly since COVID times and all of that inside in a church, the galleries, you know where the choir sings. In, now, I don't know where Nancy's church is, but she's noticed in her church, the lights are always on overhead in the galleries. And she always thinks, is that not a waste of money? She said, I know it might only be for an hour while mass is on, but could they be knocking off some of the lights in the church and would that save some money? Now I'm wondering and I don't know what church Nancy is talking about and if it's the same with other churches. Is it possible that they're all on the same switch? You know, you hit one and they all come on or you have to have certain switches on which puts lights on in other areas and is, is it something to do with that? But Nancy reckons there's a way for the churches to look at what's actually lit in the church and could they sort of knock off some of the lights. Now I have a funny feeling that the parish priests are probably already well looked at that because when we were speaking with Father Tim he was saying that most parish priests do their best to try to to save money and they're being conservative as it is about lighting and heating. So I'm sure Nancy is probably something that has been looked at. I've been asked to mention that there's a raffle in aid of the Air Ambulance which is going to take place on Saturday night at the Irish Whip in Ballydehob. They're going to have live music from Eddie Carey from half past nine and I'm told Eddie is performing voluntary. He's not uh, charging for it. Well done uh, Eddie. And all proceeds raised on the night will go to the wonderful Air Ambulance and we know how important the Air Ambulance is and we know how important it is to keep it in the air to keep us all safe particularly people in rural areas and of course the air ambulance is one of those things you know come at the day come at the hour we never know when ourselves or a family member might be in need of getting to a hospital ASAP and the air ambulance that community air ambulance will be needed so good luck to everybody in Ballydehob 
organising that fundraiser uh, at the weekend. Okay, some of your texts coming into us. Let me go to Stonegate. <laughs> I keep saying stone, scone gate when we're trying to find out the best value for a scone. All started off by our good friend Stephen down in Kerry. Uh, Noreen says, as regards to scone gate, I no longer buy tea when I'm out and about because I think three euro for a tea bag and a pot of boiling water is a rip off when you can buy 40 Barry's tea bags for three euro and 40 cent. So what do I do, says Noreen when I'm out? I get a cappuccino instead. That's okay if you're a coffee lover, but knowing there are other people who only like their tea. Mary Buckley in Rathcool says, Patricia, tell Stephen in County Kerry, who's on about the price of tea and scones, he's more than welcome to come to my house at the end of COVID-19 when I will be holding my annual coffee slash tea day for the Mercy Hospital Foundation. We'll have teas and coffees and scones and cakes and all of them will be homemade. And it'll be a very enjoyable day, assured. An end to COVID-19, please, says Mary Buckley in Rathcool so that we can get back to doing all those kind of things. How right you are at Mary, thank you for that. Hi Patricia yeah, I heard you talking earlier about some of your listeners talking about hand sanitizers going into shops. Well I'm a pensioner and I think touching the button on the hand sanitizer to press the hand sanitizer so I can get the san- sanitizer onto my house onto my hands, don't like doing that for that reason I sanitize in the car before I go into the shop and then when I come back to the car I sanitize again. I much prefer some of the shops that you go into where you can either use your foot you know, they'll use your pedal and you put your hand in under it or others where it's automatic. You put your hand in and the hand sanitizer drops down. I tell you, I was feeling a bit like that at the start back last year when we were just getting used to hand sanitizing when we went into shops and I was feeling the very same way. Sure, isn't everybody touching the top of that bottle and what if somebody before me has COVID? But I feel the fact that I'm hand sanitizing at that moment, that if there was anything on my hand, that I would be rubbing it off. So for that reason, I don't really worry about that. But I agree with you about having hand sanitizer in the car. I always have a bottle in the car. Try to remember to have a bottle in my bag as well, but I don't always have the bag with me. But to have hand sanitizer in the car is definitely a good piece of advice. Hi, Patricia. What about ATM machines when you're going to take your money out and everybody's pressing the same button? Should they not have some form of sanitizers? Again, yes, I would think you're right if somebody's coughed into their hand and then starts using the ATM machine. But again, that's up to personal responsibility for all of us. When we, If you use an ATM machine, make sure that you have some kind of hand sanitizer with you at yourself because I think it would be impossible for banks and shops to have a hand sanitizer. Shops might be able to do it if they have the ATM machine inside in the shop. They may be able to have a hand sanitizer beside it. But certainly outside of banks, it would be nigh on impossible to have hand sanitizers and have somebody there to fill it up and make sure that they're full all of the time. Hi, Patricia. I agree with Pat from Moy who contacted you earlier about people not hand sanitising when they're going in and out of shops in Fomoy. But I'd like to add that I go into a lot of shops in Fomoy town and the hand sanitizers are always full. But a lot of people are simply not using them. People can be very stupid when it comes to hand sanitising, says this listener. Let us remember, please, that COVID has not gone away. God knows we wish that it has, but it hasn't with the numbers we're seeing at the moment. And hi, Patricia, with the increasing numbers of COVID cases, I can't believe that the Minister for Higher Education and the colleges are still deciding to go ahead with in-house exams rather than have those exams online. 
They are constantly preaching to work from home and to be cautious. But here, just before Christmas, they're going to throw caution to the wind and have thousands of students congregating together. Surely these could turn out to be super spreading events. What is wrong with them? They don't need Neffet or any other group to tell them where this will end. I feel they haven't got a clue. And I suppose the danger with large groups of students congregating for in-house exams. Now I'm assuming the colleges will ventilate the rooms and do all of that and everybody will be in the rooms with masks uh, on and chairs and desks will be two metres separated and everything but yes if somebody goes in and has a COVID there is a danger that it could become a super spreader event I can see where your concerns and then the fact that it's just before Christmas all of those students then will be heading home to celebrate Christmas with their families and God knows we know what happened last Christmas so I, I, under, I absolutely understand your concerns 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls particularly looking for your questions for Annalise Drissel on nutrition therapist please you can text her whatsapp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Brian Clark, he is the head chef at the Briery Rose in Douglas. He's appealing for donations of new toys. It's to help him provide toys and meals to over 300 children this Christmas. The toy drive runs up to and including the 19th of December and new toys only, please, can be dropped in at the Briery Rose. Dukas Clonakilty Heritage Zoom lecture on the industrial heritage of West Cork. It'll be given by Dr. Colin Ryan of UCC. Now available for playback on the Dukas Clonakilty Heritage Facebook page. CBS Mitchellstown relaunching their online bingo that begins next Friday the 12th of November at 8 o'clock. Books can be bought online or from the school and they're also available at local shops. And the Arch Stores, which is on Main Street in Donora, they're hosting a coffee morning for the Autism Assistant Dogs of Ireland. It's happening this Saturday morning, 13th of November, and it'll begin at half past ten. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Live like our favourite backstabbing wealthy family, the Roys. What are you kids do not understand. It's all part of the game. We're celebrating the release of Succession Series 3 with Now. Congratulations to our winner, Siobhan McCarthy, who correctly answered the question about Succession to win our competition. Siobhan will jet off on a holiday to New York worth €10,000. She'll enjoy flights, limo transfer, five-star hotel, plus a helicopter tour over the city. Now that's living like a Roy. Watch Succession with an... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now entertainment membership. Go to nowtv.com to get your seven-day free trial with no contract. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Did a busy show yesterday, so a day later than normal. Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic joining me. Good afternoon, Jan Annalise. Good afternoon. And you are very welcome. Let me get straight into uh, questions. Hi, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise about carpal tunnel syndrome and ulnar nerve problems in my right hand? What can I use to treat both of these conditions, please? They're extremely painful and the shaking can be very annoying. Okay, so carpal tunnel is a, is the ner- the nerve tunnel that goes down from um, in your wrist from the the nerve runs down all along your arm and that main nerve then goes in through the carpal tunnel into your hand. So that can become blocked up. So the nerve is very you know the nerve is impeded in getting in. So a lot of people would suffer from pain, numbness. Numbness is very common. It's often um, as a result of repetitive strain injury. So people who would be doing this, you know, a similar movement with their hands, typing or chopping or cutting or, you know, all of those type of repetitive things. So if it is definitely carpal tunnel, really the only um, solution for that is surgery. But I would often caution people on the surgery because sometimes it actually isn't anything to do with the carpal tunnel, but the nerve is actually being impeded up at the neck. So if you've got any shoulder or neck problems, get that checked out first because that, in a lot of cases, will resolve carpal tunnel and there's no need for the surgery. So the nerve is basically being trapped further up than the carpal tunnel. Um, And then other than that, I'm afraid the only advice I could offer is to use the anti-inflammatories, which might give you some relief from the pain, but ultimately surgery is what's necessary there. Yeah, and the, she's having problems with the, the ulna nerve and that's one of the three main nerves in your arm and it travels from your neck down into your hand. Exactly. So, so it's could all linked. Be trapped, could be trapped in the carpal tunnel there or yeah. it could be trapped up at the neck. But I do know a lot of people who would have neck problems have ended up having carpal tunnel surgery and it hasn't resolved the issue because the nerve is trapped up at the neck. Okay. So get that checked so, out. So, so look into that. Now, a 13-year-old diagnosed with osteoporosis uh, two months ago. Uh, he spent a bit of time in hospital. Any suggestions on what we can do to build up his bones? God, 13 is very young for osteoporosis, is it? Very young for osteoporosis. So, And especially those years are crucial for bone development. So our bones really stop growing in density by the time we're about 20, 21. Um, so they continue to grow in density and length until that time. And then after that, really, the modelling has been done. So if you have weak bones in those years of your life, you are going to be at much greater risk of osteoporosis later on. So for a 13-year-old to have osteoporosis, there clearly is a major issue as to why are they not absorbing calcium. And that's the first thing to clarify. Is it an absorption issue or is it just a dietary issue or has it been as a result of medication? So the best thing, of course, is to increase calcium-rich foods in the diet. So you're looking at 
Dairy would be the typical one in Ireland that's recommended. So you're looking at milk and cheese and um, yogurts. But they're not always suitable for everybody. A lot of people don't do well with dairy. And there's lots of other sources of calcium available. So you'd be looking at oranges, green leafy vegetables like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, cabbage, kale, um, lettuce, rockets. All of those green leafy vegetables are really, really good for calcium. Lots of nuts and seeds are very high in calcium, but particularly almonds. So you could um, have a portion of almonds every day or use almond butter. Almond butter would be delicious smeared onto an oat cake or a slice of bread with some smashed banana or um, jam even for kids would be lovely as a kind of a sweet treat. The other one that's very good for um, calcium are the sesame seeds and you can either use the sesame seeds or you can use the sesame seed paste which is called tahini and again tahini could be lovely smeared onto apple slices as a kind of a sweet snack very nice um chickpeas kidney beans lentils they're all excellent sources of calcium as well so you could add those into soups and stews and um hummus is a great way kids love dipping carrot sticks and that into hummus and they would have both chickpeas and tahini in there so great source of calcium and there's a definite requirement there for supplement so make sure you supplement with vitamin d3 and the best form of calcium is the um algecal A-L-G-A-E-C-A-L. So it's a calcium that has been formed by algae and it seems to be the one that's best assimilated onto bone. Um, And for, I think, for a child of that age, you'd need at least 600 to 800 milligrams of calcium per day, either in supplement or diet form. But vitamin D here is key and I'd also recommend a vitamin K2. Okay, all right. As I say, it's an unusual, very young age, but at least you got the diagnosis. You can work with it now and and, uh, hopefully the future, things will get a little bit better for, for him. Okay, hi Annalise, I'm a 73-year-old woman and I, this is the opposite, I have too much calcium in my blood. The last calcium level reading was 2.73. I've had pain up my neck, so the doctor put me on Mimpara 30 mgs. Was on that for six months, off the tap, it's nearly a year now. No improvement in the neck pain, but it did reduce the calcium levels. Is there anything you would recommend to reduce calcium levels in a natural way? Um. Well, I suppose it kind of depends, uh, Patricia, why calcium is high. So, um, like, the the, thy- the parathyroid gland is responsible for um, uh, helping us to absorb our calcium. So if we need more, our parathyroid will send out more hormones so that we'll absorb more. And if we need less, it'll drop it. So I think the issue there is probably with the parathyroid and that's what the medication would have been for. It would have been to manage that. So there isn't really anything natural um, that would take the place of that. I certainly would be avoiding foods that are high in calcium and also don't take a vitamin D because vitamin D will increase your um, calcium absorption as well. Um, And other than that, I'm afraid I don't have any advice um, as to how to reduce calcium naturally further. But in terms of the neck pain, it could be at the age of 73, very commonly a bit of wear and tear arthritis. And something that would be suitable for that would be the UC2 cartilage supplement. We get great feedback on it. And that is a combination of cartilage and turmeric extract. So the turmeric is very good as a natural anti-inflammatory, benefits everything in the body. And another great one that we use as well is the Solgar 7. And then there's another one by Nutri Advanced called Curcudine, C-U-R-C-U-D-Y-N Forte. And these are all natural anti-inflammatories. 
So they will definitely work for the pain in the neck and maybe in a roundabout way could work on the parathyroid as well. Okay, somebody asking about fluid retention in uh, her legs. That's from Anne. Okay, so that's a really common one, Patricia. And a hard one to get a handle on sometimes. But we always start here with dandelion and burdock. You can either take it as a supplement, Viridian do a lovely supplement, or you could drink it as a tea. That's very good for a blood cleanse, supports the kidneys and supports the liver to kind of move liquid around. The other thing that's great as well is something called Gotu Cola. It is a herb. We have it here in um, tea form and we also have it in capsule form. And the last thing that I'd recommend is a mushroom called Polyporous, um, P-O-L-Y-P-O-R-O-U-S. It's a mushroom extract and that is one of the best things for lymph drainage and um, and water retention. You'll get that in capsule form. Okay, Mitch's Town listener, what is best to take for tiredness and general aches and pains? This is following about of COVID-19, getting over the virus. Tiredness is still there, along with some aches and pains. Absolutely, very common, Patricia. And um, we've seen people with very bad joint pain after COVID and after the vaccines as well, actually. So it does seem to affect the joints. I'd say it's the inflammatory component of it. So for the the tiredness, anything post-viral, um, but particularly the COVID, long COVID fatigue. The Revive Active is quite a nice supplement. It's an Irish company that make it. Um, it's a bit pricey, but I have to say the ingredients in it are expensive and are very good in terms of energy cycles and pathways. And there's everything in there for your immune system, um, vitamin C, zinc and vitamin D as well. So I'd recommend that for the tiredness. The other good one that I we always love here is the Source of Life Gold because um, there's a huge amount of superfoods in that, but also a little bit of ginseng, which can give you an immediate energy burst. So that's for the tiredness. And then the aches and pains, I'd go down the anti-inflammatory route. So you'd be looking at maybe a combination of turmeric. Um, Boswellia is very good as well. Um, Another one that we've been getting good feedback one is NAC, N-A-C. It's called N-acetylcysteine. Um, actually, it's very popular at the moment, so it's hard to get your hands on it. Viridian do, do uh, um, that. And again, it's great for the post-viral COVID fatigue. And for some people, taking a dose of niacin um, every two to three hours, it's one of the B vitamins. Um, you can get two types of niacin. One will make you flush red all over. So get the no-flush niacin and take it every two to three hours. OK, but it is quite common to feel very tired after the virus. We hear a lot of people talk about that. And also, I think Teresa summing up what a lot of people are suffering from as well. Uh, she said she's got a blocked nose, almost mucousy. Uh, she just can't clear it no matter what she does. She's tried nasal spray. It'll clear it for a little while and then it's back again. Uh, it's a really natural remedy, kind of a blocked nose. Blocked nose. So it depends, Patricia, if it's after a cold or if it's all the time. Like if it's all the time, you might be reacting in an allergic way to something and producing a lot of mucus. But if it is as a result of a cough or cold that hasn't shifted, what we would recommend there is something like olive leaf extract, which is a great anti natural antiviral just to sort of make your body make sure that it's gotten on top of the virus. And then we also love um, the Dr. Claire Mucotone, um, it used to be called the chest and sinus blend and I know you're familiar with it there. Mm. It's absolutely vile but it works really well and it's a combination of stuff to kind of reduce mucus but also boost the immune system. And then the last thing that we can recommend is Ivy Syme which can work very well and you'll definitely be able to get that in any health shop. 
Um, so a combination of either the olive leaf extract and ivy thyme or the olive leaf extract and the mucotone from Dr. Delish Clare if you can get it. And Marie has been diagnosed with a frozen shoulder. It's been recommended that she goes for physio and pain medication. Would Annalise recommend anything else to heal with a frozen shoulder? Very difficult one, Patricia. So basically, frozen shoulder happens when the tendons into the shoulder become so inflamed and it's really, really painful. You can't lift your arm up and sudden movements can cause an excruciating pain. And the difficulty with frozen shoulder is that it can take up to six months for it to heal because it's it's part of the body you use so much. So in terms of natural supplements, there is one that can maybe hit it, but maybe not. It's called there's two homeopathic remedies, either the Rutagrav or the Rux, the Rustox. So Rutagrav is spelt R-U-T-A-G-R-A-V. And the other one is the Rustox, um, R-H-U-S-T-O-X. These are two homeopathic remedies for pulled muscles and pulled tendons. Homeopathy can sometimes work brilliantly, but it's always about the right remedy for the right thing. So these are two fairly common ones. They may or may not hit it. And then the other thing I'd recommend, again, back to that UC2 cartilage, Um, that we get great feedback on because it'll help repair the cartilage of the tendon and it also has a natural anti-inflammatory there. And the other one then is that Net Nutri Advanced Curcudine Forte, which is a brilliant natural anti-inflammatory. But you'll need to take it for a couple of months before you'll notice the benefit. Okay, and Bridie's been on by something I think is probably fairly common as well for a number of people. What would you suggest to help her sleep at night? She's looking for something to relax, just to switch her off. Brain's too busy at the moment. How does she switch off? Very common, Patricia, and we've sold more sleep remedies and anxiety remedies over the last couple of years than anything else because of COVID. So it's been a very stressful time. And natural remedies don't actually work to knock you out. But what they do work is to bring down the levels of adrenaline and cortisol so that you feel calm and relaxed and you can get a natural sleep. So you're looking at a few different things that can work. Um, Valerian is the herb that's most commonly used. So you'll either get it in the health store as lovely Irish company do um, Irish Botanicals. They do Peace and Calm, which is a really nice, strong Valerian supplement. Or you could get the Dr. Vogel Dormazan, D-O-R-M-E-A-S-A-N. So you could try those drops first. Um, Dr. Marilyn Glenville from NHP does a lovely sleep support capsule remedy that works brilliantly and we're selling quite a bit of that in the shop. The other thing I can recommend as well is the cannabis oil. For some people that works brilliantly. Um, It's got no THC in there so you can't get stoned but it does have all the other relaxing benefits. Good to use throughout the day or uh, at night before sleep and it'll depend on your own personal self how what strength you can uh, you'll need but what I'd normally recommend is people go for a 10% strength and take one or two drops about a half an hour before bed Okay and very finally Joan in McCroom anything for restless legs she describes them as getting very warm at night she says it's almost like they're on fire sometimes Yeah so there's a f- that's such a common thing Patricia and it's a hard one sometimes to get on top of so the best thing I suppose really for to start off with that is to make sure that you're not low in iron B12 or folate because they would be very common reasons why you would have burning and restless legs so a simple blood um, test will will um, highlight that for you your doctor will be able to do it or you could take a supplement that has all of those in there for a month and see does that relieve your symptoms the other thing to try then is magnesium I'd go with something like uh, the Viridian have a nice high dose one it's um it's high potency magnesium and you could take that I suppose really if you're used to getting them in bed take it about a half an hour before bed but if it comes at night when you're sitting down and after you know 
dinner in front of the TV, take it about a half an hour before your symptoms normally manifest. Um, so the viridian is a good one. Or the, if, if you have a, a dodgy stomach and magnesium makes your ton, tummy runny, you could go with something like magnesium biglycinate and Terra Nova do a lovely one of those. That's a great one as well sometimes for sleep at night if you've got restless legs in bed. Um, those those will be the common okay, ones. Well done. Sure. well done. And you'll put up all the information as heard on the radio later on on your website, healthhubstore.com. Have a lovely week and we'll talk to you next week, Thanks, Annalise. Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic. I mentioned our first calendar that has been sent into us and we're looking for people who are involved with charities, our organisations where you're putting out a fundraising calendar. Get them into us so that we give a mention and make a suggestion to listeners that they might consider, including your calendar in their purchases this uh, Christmas and I mentioned the lovely one from Cove and Great Island and its proceeds going to the St. Saint Benedict's Priory in Cove for the Benedictine nuns who live there. Somebody says Patricia can those Cove calendars be purchased in Mallow? I must have done a great job selling it. Uh, I don't know it's the simple answer. I wouldn't have I wouldn't think so but if anybody wants to let us know if they are available in Mallow what I would suggest is you get on it's Father Liam Keller who would be well known for his uh, photography he, it's his photographs he's produced this calendar so I'd suggest maybe popping an email to Father Liam uh, his email address is Kelleher 44 at gmail.com Kelleher 44 at, at gmail.com so if you get on to him there and actually that's I'm glad that you sent in that text because if people are planning on sending calendars in to us so that we can give a mention and let people know about your charity calendar, can you tell us where they are on sale as well so that we can advertise that for you. And just on breaking news, no doubt we'll have more of this on the news at one o'clock. The death has taken place of the former chief executive and chairman of Anglo-Irish Bank Sean Fitzpatrick, his family has just confirmed his death. Uh, Mr Fitzpatrick, who was better known as Shawnee to his friends, was 73 and he died yesterday, the family say, following a short uh, illness. And of course, he's a former banker, well known for the role he played uh, in the rapid expansion and then, of course, subsequent collapse of Anglo-Irish Bank. And that was following the property crash now over a decade ago. So that's the death of Shawnee Fitzpatrick. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Before I go, just want to send congratulations to historian Catherine Corliss, who has joined us many times on this programme. Uh, she tirelessly researched, her research uh, brought to light the death and the burial of hundreds of children and the little babies at the two mother and baby homes. She's been honoured with the Irish Red Cross Lifetime Achievement Award. And by God, is this not well deserved? She joins a prestigious list of former winners, including the late Pat Hume and the World Health Organization's Executive Director, Dr. Mike Ryan. Now, Catherine Corliss, perseverance in dragging the dark past out into the light has seen her work transformed into one where she tirelessly advocates for survivors and the relatives of those who lived in the two mother and baby home and indeed other baby homes and she continues to do that uh, work and of course t- in typical Catherine Corliss fashion she says that this award is not about her and her achievements she said well it's fantastic and she's delighted uh, everything that she has done has been about the tomb babies and getting their stories
stories out there well done and congratulations to her okay that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul for producing Nick with you for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow at 10 Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.